Welcome back to the With Joe Eby podcast. Thanks for joining. The last series was on the intrinsic and the extrinsic. We're slightly moving on from that now. I want to talk a bit more about status, image, and pursuits in the next couple of episodes, which will cross the 100th episode of the podcast, which obviously we've gotten too quickly because we do this daily. So here we are. Now, the first thing I want to talk about today is the, the idea of status games. And definitely a lot of credit for how I think about this goes to Naval Ravikant one of my favorite people to listen to and influences and really raised my attention uh, and awareness of it, attention to it and awareness of it. And that is such an important point to make for any person with an everyday life, especially in a Western environment right now. The point around status games is that all the talk is normally about money. That's what we, uh, we conversate in what we understand things and we talk about, so, you know, athletes getting paid this to play, um, celebrities getting paid X amount to be on a TV show or in a movie. You know, we're jealous of our friends who earn X amount. So money is the language we talk in, in in everyday terms. But really much more than what is driving people than than money is is probably actually status. And status games are much better to understand than the money games. Status is a bit more subtle, but it's actually a lot more important to people. So I guess <laughs> the w- one thing, easy way to reflect on this is if you think about the wealthy people and sort of the big business people in the world, what they're talking about is not making more money. Now, the simplistic way of looking at it is so-and-so, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you know, back in the day, Steve Jobs, whatever, big entrepreneurs or businessmen or even corrupt, even corrupt people. The criticism is that, you know, they're, well, not criticism, but the commentary is normally they're making money, they want to make more money. What's the drive for someone who's that rich, rich like a Jeff Bezos, for example, or, or Steve Jobs when he was alive and at Apple? What's the drive for a lot of those people? Is it money? Is it impact? Is it reputation? So what's the dynamic at play? But if you think about it logically, when there's only so much you can do with <laughs> a lot of money. But status, money is a very powerful way of indicating status to the outside world, but also to oneself. And when you start to think of money in that way, it really changes the way you understand. It's not people want a lot of money because they're greedy. A lot of the time, I would argue, a big motivation to earn a big income, to have a big salary, or whatever, big stake in a business, whatever it is, is to be able to portray a certain status. Now, the thing, the point we need to make in this episode, when we're talking about status games for individuals, is that money is not the only way of indicating status. Therefore, don't just be wary of people's financial incentives. Be aware of some other key incentives that they may have. There are other ways of delivering status. So, money is very obvious. We generally understand the flow of, actually that's questionable, but we under, we can understand more clearly, I would say, the relationship between money and status, right? We tend to have, we tend to revere and respect people who are rich, okay, uh, in our culture, maybe unnecessarily or we overdo it. We overdo the veneration of the rich. And that's what makes being wealthy attractive, not so much what you can buy, but the, the image that comes with it. So we're going to talk about a couple of others that I just noted down and, and the blog post on status games I did, we talked about these as well. So 
one is the morally righteous. And I think this is the example Naval talked about on his podcast, which really triggered me, was talking about, you know, journalists and people in the media or thinkers or whoever it is or social critics that attack people who are wealthy, capitalists, etc., for being money hungry uh, are often playing status games themselves, but on a very different kind of spectrum. You know, pushing people down, making and giving themselves the moral, morally superior and righteous high ground, so to speak. And I think the thing to unpack, sorry, I probably got a bit ahead of myself. The thing to unpack before we go into probably the other three examples I want to talk about today is why we play status games. That's the most important part, right? And if you've been listening to the podcast, you probably hazard a good guess, which is my argument would be you think about... <clears throat> evolution think about natural selection you think about the astro the dog stuff we've talked about <coughs> pardon me <coughs> uh, status is would boost your um your mating odds right in theory and it would boost your genetic success so to speak because if you're high status you probably have the best pick of mating partners so that would explain why we would be predisposed to seeking status it may literally be the case for you that you think if I can be very rich and successful, it'll be easier to find a great partner, especially if you are a male, perhaps. And I think I would have thought that way to some extent in the past. So that's the background. That, and that's probably just part of the narrative of why status is so attractive. We may not even think it or reflect on it in that depth. But that would be my argument. Now, the other sense of another, the second one I want to talk about, so you've got the morally righteous ladder, you've got the authority ladder, which is things like job titles, having power over people. These are all things that signal authority. Now, there are a lot of positions where you get paid a lot more to do those things, so it's hard to separate them. But think about how prestigious or attractive it is to do a role where without changing pay or even any pay at all, it's attractive to be the leader and to have some authority over people because it is a powerful marker of status. Going back into our understanding of how we're wired and predisposed to things, you know, maybe that's Astro the dog seeing the opportunity to have authority over people and barking that, that it wants that bone, so to speak. That's another thing to be conscious of. And something I was reflecting on in preparation for that blog post was uh, people might take a, a pay cut to get more status but how often will they take a status cut to get more pay now i don't have any data on that uh, i certainly just have my own gut hypotheses but that's really interesting to actually think about which would you be more likely to do to take a pay cut for more status power influence things like that think about people who go the trumps of the world who go from private sectors and making you know really big commercial leverage to public to have more power most likely and influence and prestige and self-image enhancement yeah versus the versus the opposite so authority ladder the eyeball ladder as well so in this age more than ever the the influencer age where everyone has access to creating viral videos and internet content and generating followings and things like that. So it creates a sense of status, having people see you. And this is why you'll unpack so many people's insecurity by their need to be seen. 
but they need to be visible often in front of large groups and crowds of people large online followings or large in-person examples but the eyeball letter is another form of the status letter for sure fourth and most interesting is probably the social praise letter i think i put here or is that even the best phrase social approval letter and which is probably related to morally righteous but i think because of the background i had witnessing i guess things like the nonprofit world uh, there's a certain different type of status and image that comes with doing things that are you know good for seen to be good for society like things like volunteering so if we want to pick on an easy victim we can talk about a lot of the young people which would have been to some extent myself when i was young they're going to the inverted commas third world and taking pictures with poor children and with with uh, bloated bellies and making them look very uh goodwill and humanitarian uh you know how much of that work would be done if they couldn't communicate that image of themselves uh, to others and portray that image or have a tool and when i was doing the stuff in nepal with nick abraham and co there were very direct examples of that people we met it was very transparent very easy to see through maybe not to them there's only to us so my point about the status games is really why it's good to be aware of them in my opinion is that we become more attuned to the way in which people can lie to themselves but still chase these objectives how they can make them socially acceptable but still ultimately be playing status games rather than doing the specific work they may think they're trying to do and the one i've had most personal exposure to and experience with would certainly be the whole non-profit humanitarian space so I think that's really interesting to reflect on. So to recap, status games, we chase them most likely because of evolution, boosting our mating odds, etc. Uh, and But we probably don't think about that. But that's probably why we're predisposed to chasing them. Also ties into all the stuff I talked about last section of the podcast, the extrinsic, right? These rewards we settle for, we don't have internal rewards that we're pursuing. And four ladders I could just think of when doing the blog and the podcast are the morally righteous ladder, the authority ladder, the eyeball ladder, and the social praise or social approval ladder. This podcast, for example, could be an attempt by me to just be climbing a social approval ladder. It's easy for me to point out that it's a slow, difficult to monetize platform, especially when starting out for a lot of people, including myself. Um, and it's easy to, to humble brag about that and... Uh, portray an image of modesty it may all be may all be about making it look like i'm doing good which i know a lot of people who create online content definitely are so this is how this is how uh, deep and underlying this can be the drive for status requires incredible honesty and awareness to navigate in my opinion so that's the summary and my reflection question for today would be which do you play because sometimes you play them as a, one of the best things i learned from my good friend Gilly, I don't talk about him enough, is, you know, image and status should be a means to an end and not an end in and of themselves, which means, for example, when I was in real estate, betraying an image that I'm a capable and knowledgeable real estate agent is useful to deliver my outcome of helping people with real estate potentially. Whereas if, I, if my sole objective is to have the image out there that I am a hotshot business person, etc., 
that's an end in of itself. That's the goal rather than trying to facilitate something better. So it's a juggling act. It requires good balance and perspective and mindfulness. So which do you play? Which status games are you engaged in? Maybe for good reasons, maybe for bad reasons, not so relevant, but which ones are relevant for you to play? I'm, you know, potentially vulnerable to all the ones I just mentioned there. I'm open to being in positions of authority, having run projects, still running projects now. I make content, I make this podcast, I'm talking about it right now. That applies to the other three examples I talked about there. But I'm deliberately trying to gain status, deliberately, in order to leverage certain outcomes. The messages of the podcast, open doors for others, launch projects like the constant student, the books we've got coming up, etc., etc. So understanding which games you play doesn't mean you're doing a bad thing. It's just interesting and important to be aware. Uh, always admitting to these things, potential vulnerabilities, is the way we open doors out of being caught in extrinsic traps. As I believe, anyway. As I believe. So, yeah, definitely something to be aware of. Much more subtle. Next episode, we're going to talk about status games in groups, which is very compelling and interesting to unpack a bit further. The individual one is what we talked about today. So make sure you stay tuned for that. That'll be on tomorrow. Um, But in the meantime, always remember, of course, that the best way to open a thousand doors for you is to concentrate on opening doors for others. So if this episode can help you do that in any way, please feel free to use it to open that door, sharing, talking, taking the ideas further and evolving them. Thanks, guys. I'll see you again tomorrow.